Hey out there, rock and rollers. Welcome to episode number 135 of the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock podcast, brought to you by me, your host, the Wolf Mac B. And I will be joined, as always, by my partner in crime and co-host, Gary Action Jackson, from the East Coast of the United States of America. And listeners of the show probably know that I've been trying my best to move back to the U.S. after four years in Europe. Great time in London, living just down the street from Abbey Road Studios. Great time in Amsterdam, and I got to see some great shows and make some great connections over there. Trying my best to transition back to the USA here. It's had its ups and downs, and, well, sometimes I haven't always been in the best place to record. So I appreciate you hanging with us and giving us a little leeway here. Sometimes the sound's not always right. Now that I'm moving into a new home, I'm hoping to get that sound locked down so it always sounds good for you because we want to bring you the rock and roll stories that we love, the concerts we review, the classic albums, the great guests that we have on, the dichotomy of who makes it in the U.S. versus the U.K. and vice versa, all the stories that we've shared over the years. We want to continue to bring them to you, bring them as high quality as possible. And this week we're talking about a legend in rock and roll in Robert Plant. Now, Robert Plant is, of course, best known for his work with Led Zeppelin throughout the late 60s and through the 70s and into the early 80s. But, of course, after the death of John Bonham, Led Zeppelin broke up. And though there was a couple of one-offs here and there, they never really put it back together. And, in fact, after the end of Led Zeppelin, Robert Plant himself was reticent about continuing on as an artist. He was going to get a job. He had enough money. He was just going to do something 9 to 5 and uh, live a little quiet life. It was actually Phil Collins, of all people, who encouraged him, no, look, you've still got talent, you've still got a long runway here, why don't you get back out there? And Phil was instrumental in helping him put out his first solo album, Pictures at 11, which we aptly reviewed on episode number 105. Jackson and I had a good time going over that record. So when it turned out that his second album, Principle of Moments, was about to turn 40, it was released July 11th of 1983, but well, that'd be a nice follow-up to do. Give me a little bit, what's the difference between the first one and the second one? And Robert wanted to keep his band together, so it is the same folks making this new record. And you can definitely see some growth here, and bigger hits Big Log was a big hit in America, really on both sides of the pond, and it's thanks to a really cool video that they made with him out in the desert. But In the Mood was a big hit for him as well, and one that he still does occasionally. He's on tour with Alison Krauss this spring and summer, and he's been working that in a little bit, which is pretty cool. So at this point, we're going to go ahead and do a review of Robert Plant's Principle of Moments. But first, we've got to do a little business. As usual, we love to mention the fact that we are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast Network, a network of about 100 different music-related shows, really something out there for everybody, and you can check them out, pantheonpodcast.com, to check out all the different shows out there, and they've been a big help to us getting good guests, like last week's guest, Mick Wall, legendary rock writer Mick Wall, talking about his book on the Eagles, Life in the Fast Lane. And we also have to thank our sponsors, RareVinyl.com. I know that a lot of you are record collectors out there, and you're always looking for stuff in mint condition or stuff that's hard to find, stuff from different countries that you don't find in your local record shop. Go to RareVinyl.com. They have over a quarter million items in stock and a five-star rating from Trustpilot, and they ship all over the world. Use the code UGLY, U-G-L-Y, plug it in there when you check out, and you can save 10% off your orders. For some of you, that's going to cover your shipping. So I don't care if you're in Mozambique or Montana, you can go to rarevinyl.com, you can find something that you love, some treasure you've been looking for for a long time, use the code UGLY, and save yourself 10%. they got a great team, you're looking for Led Zeppelin stuff, they got a ton of it. You're looking for Robert Plant stuff, you can find it. 
But whatever you're looking for, go to rarevinyl.com, use the code UGLY, and save yourself 10%. Now back to Robert Plant. These songs came out when we were kids. We were about 10 years old when this came out. No real clue of who Robert Plant really was in the stature of rock gods. But we would figure that out later. Because in high school, he was putting out Now and Zen and Manic Nirvana. And we saw them on Live Aid, right? We saw them at Nebworth. We saw them on the Atlantic Records anniversary show. Always wondering, God, is Led Zeppelin going to ever get back together? Now, Jimmy Page and Robert Plant got back together, and Jackson and I did have the privilege of seeing that show together in Orlando. It was really important for us when they finally did that, that we got to see that. But the reason that could happen is because Robert Plant was keeping himself in shape. He wasn't just sitting on his laurels. He didn't retire like he first thought he was going to. He went out there and worked. And his first three solo albums with the same band were solid. And they set him up for great solo success, really, for the next several decades. So if you're a fan of Led Zeppelin, you're probably like this. If you're a fan of Robert Plant, you're going to love it. But if you're just a fan of early 80s MTV... I think you'll like this one. This is a fun one. We're doing Robert Plant's Principle of Moments as it turns 40, right here on The Wolf. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. So it wasn't that long ago that we did Pictures at 11 by Robert Plant, his debut solo album. And uh, although we liked it, I mean, it kind of lacked huge hits that we listened to a ton on the radio and saw on MTV a lot. But his second album did have some big hits. Yeah, two of the big ones. And then there was a third one that I had never heard before. Apparently he released it or it was released in Japan. But I, I do remember the the two big ones on this one were pretty much in a heavy rotation when we were in college. In college? I mean, like that's, I mean, that's what we listened to a lot. That they, they oh, came yeah. up in the, in the playlist a lot. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, as far as I can recall in 1983, seeing it was the big long video 
Okay. Which I think was directed by Storm Thorgerson of Hypnosis fame. That was the first time I'd ever seen Robert Plant. I mean, as a nine, 10 year old in 1983, I didn't know who Led Zeppelin were. I, I don't even think I even really knew any of their songs. I was still a little kid, basically. Listen to pop music, you know, listen to Michael Jackson and Duran Duran and Minute Work. And the police were starting to come into my purview, but I didn't know who Led Zeppelin were. So when I saw Big Log, as far as I know, all right, well, this is a dude. All right, his name's Robert Plant. Fine, he's got a cool song here. I like this. But I had no understanding of who he was or who he used to be or, or what was going on. Now, I think, okay. I think I remember this because it was kind of a big deal, like on MTV. Like I mm -hmm. remember they, I remember they were they hyped it up. They had commercials saying that they were going to debut this, and I remember it had a title card too. It was one of the the. It did. Yeah, it was. It was almost like a little mini movie. Like it told you, you know, it was Robert Plant, Big Log, and it had the same font as on the record. And I think I remember I had a friend who had an older brother. Who was like he was he was out of his mind. He was like, I can't. This is going to be great, you know. Bob, Robert Plant's new, and I was in the same boat you were. I'm like Robert, who with what? Exactly. Okay, well, he was in this band Led Zeppelin from this, you know, big in the 70s. And to me, in 1983, the 70s were a hundred years ago. Right. You know, like, <laughs> all right, cool, thanks, pops, whatever you say. Yeah. But yeah, and and I remembered like, but the weird part was like, this was not from what I understood Led Zeppelin to be. This was not that. Like, this doesn't sound anything like I thought it would. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I think Robert really wanted to distance himself from his Led Zeppelin past. In fact, like we said on our previous Robert Plant show on Pictures at 11, Robert was kind of content to maybe be done, mm -hmm. be done with rock and roll, be done with performing. Like, you know, I'm just going to go get a job uh, and I don't need, you know, it, Led Zeppelin's over and I don't need to try to compete with what I used to be. And it was actually Phil Collins who kind of pushed him like, no, come on, you still got stuff to do. You're a young man. I mean, he was barely 30 years old, you know, so it's like you can't just stop. So he kind of pushed him out there. He helped him do Pictures at 11 and he helped him do this record as well. Not only did he play drums on five of the eight songs, but he also did his North American tour uh, mm -hmm. with him in his band, you know, and that was significant because they didn't really tour on Pictures at 11 because he did not want to play any of his Led Zeppelin catalog. He wanted to be totally separate. He didn't want to hear the shouts, you know, play stairway or whatever it was. He, <laughs> he hated that anyway. And he didn't want to be subjected to that. So he's like, I'm not going to tour until I've got, you know, an hour and a half or whatever, a, a headliner's, right. a headliners uh, you know, catalog worth of songs to do. So the fact that he kind of waited till the second album to go on tour, and he came to America, and then he went to Europe, I think, later in 1983, it just shows you, look, I'm distancing myself from this whole Led Zeppelin thing. You're not, you're not getting me stuck in this trap uh, of having to do my old songs. It's totally new, totally new band. And it is very different sound. Yeah. And I wonder too, when people showed up for those shows in 83, did they know that? Or were they thinking, well, we'll play a couple of the new ones and then we'll hit the back catalog. Or did they walk out of there saying, hmm, I'm a little disappointed now. I, I bet there was a lot of that, to be honest with you. <laughs> because, you know, because there is no internet. There is no, I know exactly what he's going to play. Right. They didn't talk about that necessarily in Rolling Stone. And, and then even if they did, not everybody reads that. It's not like it's common knowledge. Like, it was like, oh, we're going to go see him play. He'll probably play half Zeppelin and half new right. stuff. Yeah. You know, so I, I bet there were some disappointed fans like, okay, I, this is a good one. But, you know, when are you going to play a whole lot of love or something like that? And then thank you. Good night. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Now, I admire him for not doing that. I admire him for not playing 
his old stuff. And I think it was not until really he got to now and Zen that he really started to say, you know what, I can I can work some of these in and maybe even rework some of them. I don't have to pretend I was never in Led Zeppelin, mm-hmm. you know. And I think even I think on Now and Zen, he even had Jimmy Page on a track or two. So mm-hmm. yeah, definitely embracing it at that point in time. But I mean, yeah. you're right. I mean, wait, he could have gone out there. I mean, he could have done an entire tour with him and a band and just done Zeppelin catalog stuff, made a zillion dollars and gone on from there. But he didn't. So you're right that there is. I know he probably got a lot of backlash for that, but that is pretty cool to stick to your guns and say no i'm not playing those songs anymore and he's stuck to those guns forever mm-hmm. i mean after allegedly after the big celebration day at the o2 there was supposed to be a led zeppelin reunion tour i mean they had nine figures on the table they had yeah. people saying you will make all this money there were rehearsals the other three guys jason bonham Jimmy Page, jump all jones were all pretty well ready to go <laughs> and then Robert's like, nope, nope, I don't want to be a jukebox, which is a little jaded, you know. Uh, I'm like, well, you know, you're, when you do your solo stuff, you're a jukebox. It's just you're a jukebox for lesser known songs. <laughs> well, and plus, when they did the when they did the unleaded no quarter deal, mm-hmm. I mean, those were Zeppelin songs. They just reworked them. I mean, I don't right. think there was any. If you want to change them up a little bit, I don't think anyone would be that disappointed as long as they can hear the songs. Well, that's right. Yeah. And, and I saw him play with uh, Patty Griffin and, you know, they do a couple of Zeppelin songs, but they, they change them up a little mm-hmm. know, and, and, that, and that's okay. But at this point now, and I, I know right now he's touring with Alison Krauss, by the way, the tickets for that were like insane. Huh? I mean, okay. Well, uh, secondhand tickets, right? I mean, I'm sure if I had gotten on the day it went on sale, they would have been a little expensive, but you have to expect that for a legend like Robert Plant and, and honestly, Allison Krauss. I mean, if, if mm-hmm. your name's not Quincy Jones or Beyonce, you don't have more Grammys than, than Allison Krauss in, in like bluegrass <laughs> and country. She, she literally has something like 30 Grammys or something sick like that. So they're pretty big stars. But then like the, the resale ones that were, were in, like to sit in the upper deck, somebody wanted 300 a piece. I'm like, no, I've <laughs> I've seen Allison Krauss and Robert Plant before. It's It's not worth that to me but that's been kind of his thing i don't want to just train on my past i want to move forward and mm. he's he's made a lot of so i mean he's made more solo albums than he ever made albums with led zeppelin and big log was my introduction to robert as a solo artist now i never picked up any of his solo records like when we were growing up or when we were in high school or anything like that mm. but a few years back he did make a box set of all his solo stuff. And I don't think it had Band of Joy. It didn't have the Allison Krauss in it. It may not have had the fabulous shapeshifters uh, in it, but everything was just Robert Plant. He put into a box set called Nine Lives. And there was a, he remastered all of them in like 2007. So not only would they sound better, but they came with bonus tracks, a lot of live cuts mm-hmm. uh, and some B-sides and just some unreleased stuff like that. Uh, and what was fantastic about it for me was, and see, and it was pretty, it was relatively inexpensive because I went on Amazon to get it. It was fairly cheap. I mean, considering you get like 10 CDs, I don't know if it was $70. I don't, it may have been like 60 or le- even less than that. But yeah, it may have been like $50. But not only do you get all those discs and the book and all that kind of stuff, but it was also one of those auto rips so that all the tunes automatically you can download straight into your like phone. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, I got to wait two days to have it delivered, but I can start listening to songs on my Echo or on my phone right away. 
And that's when I really started to gotta go through these things with a fine-tooth comb. Be like, you know, he not every song he did as a solo artist was amazing, but especially these first three albums, Pictures Out of Living, Principal Moments, Shaken and Stirred, he had the same band. Mm. And and that was his goal. Like, let's put together a band, let's develop a sound. I'm not gonna just be a solo artist. I'm going to have this band and we're gonna develop these songs together. They really did create a sound and it's a little bit of a time, but I, I think it's really good, especially after you know what Led Zeppelin is. He needs to make something different from that. He did it. Right, right. And and I think that's the big thing on this record is he could have just done that. He could have just done a record or records that sounded just like Led Zeppelin cashed in and gone from there. But yeah, he wanted to do something different. It is cool that he put together a band that he kept for a while and I think that even even the next couple of records, he had guys that were that even though these weren't the same guys, carried over from one to the other. So he he enjoys that dynamic of working with other people. It's not like all music and words by Robert Plant. Well, that's right. You know, and on the first album, he and Robbie Blunt, his guitar player, co-wrote all the songs with occasional you know chip-ins from from the keyboards from synth player Woodruff. But like on this second album. It was more collaborative. I mean, he and Robbie were co-writers on all the songs. And sometimes it was just the two of them. Mm -hmm. But sometimes they got Paul Martinez, the uh, bass player, to chip in on more than half the songs. Sometimes they got uh, Woodruff to to write a a couple as well. And and Woodruff helped write the the single on the first album. And so, yeah, he definitely was a a help on the, the big song, Big Log, as well. I was going to say that, you know, the one interesting thing, too, is you were talking about Phil Collins being, you know, I think, did he produce this? I know he produced the last one. He didn't produce this one, but he did do drum tracks on Big Log doesn't have a drum track. They used a a programmer. Yeah. Yeah. For that. But, you know, the seven songs on which there are drums, he played them, not to mention the bonus tracks, both the live and the studio. uh, He played on all those as well. Interesting that a guy who sold a hundred million records on his own didn't write one song on this deal. I so know. was that was that a like a uh, don't worry about it or I'm really not I just want to be here to play the you know kind of just be part of this band. I don't know. Well, around this time he was getting pretty busy. I mean, yeah, he was, <laughs> which is he was, which is crazy. Which he went on this tour, which I didn't know. I you know, know. He's in. He's in, he's doing his own thing. He's doing Genesis. Which were two? I mean, Genesis was still big back then. Yeah, yeah I got a couple. I got a couple of months. Yeah, I'll go on tour with you. What? I know. And it was who was it? Uh, is it Barry Bartholomew? I'm trying to remember what the guy's name was. Barry Moore Barlow was on tracks four and seven, mm-hmm. and he was probably most famous for being in Jethro Tull. Uh, but Robbie Blunt had been in Silverhead with the fabulous Twenty Six. Marquis de Bar, mm-hmm. Michael de Bar. And then he went on to work with, you know, he did a lot of session work. After he left Robert, he, he did some stuff for Julian Lennon, he did some stuff for Tom Petty. He's a fine, fine musician, but it was Little Feet's Richie Hayward. And Little Feet's a band that kind of keeps coming into our orbit once in a while, it seems like here lately. He, uh, He's the one who did the the European portion of the tour. Oh, okay. Robert, because because Colin said that he had to go back to Genesis. <laughs> He's a very, very busy man. Hi, I'm Deborah Bonham. And I am the Irish werewolf in England, Peter Bullock. <laughs> and you're listening to the ugly American werewolf in London. But let's go ahead and get into it. Let's go track by track here. The first track. Other Arms, mm-hmm. which is Robert and Robbie writing this one together. This one, interestingly enough, the record company wanted this to be the lead single. Robert did not. 
I guess it's a little too hard rock. It's not that hard rock, but it, for this album, it's a little bit hard. And he's like, no, I don't want to get pigeonholed in the hard rock thing. We're not going to release this. So they didn't. But they still started off the record with it. And it still got released. Like you said, it was released in Japan mm -hmm. as a single. As a single, yeah. Yeah. And somehow it still got to number one on Billboard Top Tracks. Now, I never heard this song on the radio. And Top Tracks isn't the Hot 100 or whatever. And, and it's not main rock or whatever, mainstream rock or whatever. So I, I don't know how it got there. I mean, I guess some radio stations decided they're going to play it. So it's, it's a little harder than the others, but it's nothing like Led Zeppelin. No, no. This one is, it's probably the hardest one on this record. Yeah. I liked it the first time when it was Missed Again by Phil Collins. What? Oh. It's, the, it's the same drum intro. Exactly the same. It is. It, it's, I, mean, it, I mean, I listened to it probably three or four times. I'm like, Phil, I understand you can't rip yourself off, but it's the same exact, that, that boom, but up and up, and then right into the song. Like, it's the same Phil or whatever it is, intro. That's interesting. I wonder if they were recorded around the same time. And I don't know. Like, this get, is hey, something get, I've got, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and whichever makes it out first, that's the one that wins. Correct. That's interesting. I mean, it is a good opener. It is a little harder rock on this. It was back with uh, Through the Two-Step, which is on the second side of the album in Japan. Interesting enough, because it went to number one on Billboard Top Tracks, and it ended Every Breath You Takes nine-week run. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, I don't. On, I don't ever. I mean, and, and maybe I wasn't listening to that style of music or that that style of radio station at that time because I don't ever remember this one. But I do remember every breath you take. Well, of course, yeah. yeah. I remember it, it was it was on the number one spot for eight weeks, which was a record. It beat the Beatles or somebody like that for, for being up there eight weeks. And then I remember the album, Synchronicity, was number one, too. And then it got pumped off. I'm like, oh, man, first the song goes down, then the album goes down. <laughs> I remember mom saying, that's the way records are. They come up and they come down. They come and go. It wasn't going to be on there all year. I'm like, why not? It's the greatest record ever, Synchronicity. <laughs> And it's still up there as far as I'm concerned. But that's neither here nor there. L listen to episode number nine or 10 or whatever that was. We did on synchronous. But it's also interesting that although some things like In the Mood, it's obvious what the name of the song is based on the chorus. Just like the first album, some of these songs, titles, don't really have anything to do with the story or the lyrics. And while the refrain is Lay Down Your Arms, the name of the song is Other Arms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's interesting too. But at this point in time, you knew that from the last record. I don't know what the, some of these things don't have anything to do with anything. I don't even know where they got the titles from. Right. You know, it, especially you know as you get farther into the well, some of them do, but most of them do not. Yeah, and it, it's interesting that it's called other arms. They have arms in the it, lay down your arms, but there is no crossover. Exactly. But I remember first hearing this song. 
when I got that box set and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, well, this is pretty darn good here. This is interesting. So we're off and running, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which runs us into song number two, In the Mood, a very popular song in his catalog. And it was released as a single. It was the second single released off the album. And they made a video for it, which is very, very 1983, if you mm-hmm. ask me. Mm-hmm. But I mean, do you remember this being a big hit back in the day? I don't think so. I don't. Yeah. I don't think. I don't. I mean, I never saw this video back then. Mm-hmm. I. I mean, I've heard this song so many times now. I. It's. It's kind of hard to remember. But I don't think so. I think it was Big Log, and then that was it off this one. Yeah, I. I'm kind of with you. It's like I, I certainly know this song in the mood. They've been playing mm-hmm. on all rock radio for decades now. I, I don't know if I. I never saw. The, I'm like you. I don't recall ever seeing the video. But I feel like I did hear the song at some point, and I never put it together. Oh, that's Robert Plant, mm-hmm. who also did Big Love, or who was in Led Zeppelin. I think that came later, in like when you're in high school, when they played In the Mood on the radio. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Robert yeah. Plant solo, too. The single edit is about a minute and a half shorter than what's on the album. Uh, and the U.S. single had both, right? It had the single edit and the kind of a long-form song. UK, 12-inch, was black, back with Pledge Pin from the first record. And horizontal departure, which we'll we'll talk about here in a bit. So it got up to it did pretty well in America. It, it did number four, I think, on mainstream rock, and then thirty nine on Hot One Hundred. But in the UK, it only got to eighty one. And mm. it, it seems that over the years, Robert Plant as a solo artist has done a lot better in the US than he ever did in the UK. Now, the album didn't do badly in the UK. I mean, it, it went to number seven, which is higher than it went in the U- in the US. It went to number eight in the US, but it only went gold in the UK versus platinum uh, in the United States. And I just looked at some of his subsequent releases and subsequent singles, and it just seems like it does better on the charts. He has traditionally done better on the charts in America than he did in the UK. And look, while Led Zeppelin are big in the UK, they could not be any bigger than they are. Yeah, yeah, and and that that was always an interesting theme that kind of goes through this whole show is how can you be, I mean, you're from that country, how can you be bigger here than you are over there, but there's no accounting for taste and there's no accounting for what sticks with people in one country versus another one. Yeah, that's right, and then In the Mood was on MTV, like our buddy Neil from Def Lep Pod has told us, if you're not top 40, Mm -hmm. It, it almost doesn't matter. And certainly no one's going to see your video because there was no MTV and, and Top of the Pops is one of the rare places where you can see it and they only go up to 40. So yeah. I always like this one. I mean, and I don't know if I remember liking it from 83 on or it was later in the 80s, but the synths may date it a bit, but I still love it. And you can kind of hear the band is really coming together on. Yeah, I, I like the fact that it's on this one, it's the bass that's kind of driving it. And then uh, the guitar is just the chords. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're, the chords are distinctive and it, and it goes throughout the whole the whole track. But it's that, you know, he just does that bump, 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 comes mm-hmm. back in again. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the video. And I, I can't tell you that I'd ever seen it before, but I watched it for this show. And yeah, it's just, it's it's the classic early 80s. 
I don't know, just throw a whole bunch of stuff in the blender and we'll figure it out. There's guys that are like break dancing or popping and locking it. I don't think anybody who ever was proficient at that style of dance heard this track and said, this is the one I want to dance to. I, I know you're right about that. <laughs> and you mentioned the bass. Yeah, Paul Martinez has actually helped write this one. He's a co-writer with Robert Robbie on this one. Mm. But yeah, you see the break dancers are doing some popping and locking, and then you see the band in a barn kind of a thing. Yeah. Playing the song, it, there's no drummer about for it. And then there's a beautiful woman in a big, beautiful home waiting for a man on a horseback to ride in. Okay, interesting. There's a lot of close-ups of Robert, which makes sense because they're trying to sell this solo artist or whatever. <laughs> there's, there's a thing of the guys almost doing a ZZ Top thing where they're all four of them together and they <laughs> point and then they can't yeah. like, what was the point of that? That was just weird. <laughs> And the other thing was, like, Robert Plant is supposed to be standing, singing at the top of his lungs, and that's about it. And in this one, he's trying to give you the little dance move behind the mm-hmm. behind the mic. Yeah, that's not working either. Stop that. Yeah, it's, it's very odd, very early <laughs> 80s. And I honestly never recall seeing it back in the day. Yeah. I, I always like this one. It did well on the charts for him. And it, it shows he doesn't have to scream. He doesn't have to. You know, he'd be more of a crooner and a storyteller than just some guy, you know, screaming at the top of his lungs over thunderous drums and guitar, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I'll tell you something else, which is interesting, because until Subterranean came out, I think during the pandemic or about that time, which is a real kind of career retrospective greatest hits. The closest thing you can get to a Robert Plant greatest hits uh, over the last 20 or 25 years was called From 66 to Timbuktu, where he had some old songs in there from when he was a kid, and then he had a good collection of his best greatest hits, we'll call them, from his Mm. solo career. And then they had B-sides and unreleased stuff and oddities and stuff like that, like on a second disc. But this song was noticeably missing from that collection. And so if you were looking for a Robert Plant greatest hits, that was really all you had. And you didn't have this one on there. Mm. And that had surprised me because I I, I had dated the girl who I think essentially she she had it, but then she just gave it to me because she wanted it more. And (laughs) and she even told me In the Mood is not on there. I'm like, what do you mean? The greatest hits album doesn't have In the Mood? That doesn't make sense. She's like, listen to it. (laughs) It's not on there. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I guess you're right. So now, of course, it's on that subterranean, but... uh, it's a great song for him, and it's one that did well for him. So I don't know what the thinking was on that, but hey, he can do whatever he wants. Yeah, it, it is interesting when you get those. I mean, I don't even know if they really make too many greatest hits anymore. But yeah, why did you include A and not B? You'd think that maybe are you waiting for the second one, and then I can put that on there? I don't know. But good, I mean, good shift from the harder other arms. Yeah, to the, it's not quite a ballad. And, and look, Robbie's guitar playing really fits the song. It fits the chords that he chose for it. It's not crazy. It, it's a great song. It's a great early 80s song. Now, that transfers into the third song, Messing with the Meekin. Weird name, of course. <laughs> Don't know what it means. Yeah, I just gave up. Okay, well, you call it whatever. That's fine. This is kind of a weird one. It's kind of got doom, 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 and it stops. Yeah. And it comes back, boom, doom, doom. And generally, I don't like songs like that. I'm like, once you start, let's just let it roll. Let's not start and stop. You know, I'm trying to get into a groove. I want to tap my foot. So the beginning, I don't like. But, you know, there's kind of a middle part and a bridge mm-hmm. that's very proggy and very 1983. What do you think yeah. of this one? It, it, it's, I, think that, I think you're right. This is, 
and so now we're on to track three. So we're off and running, and now you put the now you kind of put one in there that's a little different. Yeah, yeah, that's a little different. Yeah, I agree with you. The 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 beginning's a little janky. I don't know what he's trying to do when when the words come in. It gets slower. I don't know. Like he's a. I mean, it's not reggae, but are you trying to have are you trying to have that feel? And then by the time you get to the by the time you get to the middle of this, we held off as long as we could. We're going full on synth, nineteen eighty three. Exactly. Um, and then there is kind of a cool bass part almost at the end once you get through the synth part. But yeah, this one's a this one's a little this one's a little strange. I still think that proggy synth part is, is kind of the best part of the song. <laughs> I mean, look, it definitely ends better than it starts. You mentioned the cool yeah. bass part. There is some cool synths from Woodruff in there. Yeah, the beginning is odd. It's it's almost like it's two songs, or like we start we're starting going one way, and then we're going to take this yeah. turn, yeah. And, and go the other. And look, I mean, look, this is a thirty-eight to thirty-nine minute album, and there's only eight tracks on mm. so the songs are, are a little bit longer for the most part i mean you know they're they're between 420 and 520 on the first side and they're they're between 420 and, and five and a half on the second side so you can stretch out maybe a little bit longer but this one also written co-written by martinez yeah it's a little weird but they did play it live i go back and check their set list and they played it so they must have liked it maybe because well, it's experimental i don't know well i mean what what year are you talking about during this tour they play right. it well, they, they didn't have, have much to. choice. <laughs> uh, I mean, you're right. And they could play some covers. They did play a, Ma a Bob Marley cover in Houston on September 20th, which is where the live bits from the remaster came yeah. from, was Houston. I think it was. I think the live bits from uh, from Pictures at 11 were from the same show. Probably so. Yeah. I well, no, they would have had to have been. There, I mean, there, wasn't, there weren't too mm -hmm. many shows. I mean, I think they may have done like a scandinavian tv show or something like that for for pictures of 11 they they didn't tour because robert plant refused he didn't want to be an opening act i don't think and he didn't want to do his old led zeppelin stuff he wanted to wait till they had enough material to do a headline show so mm. so that's what they did and this one is an odd one but then you get to reckless love the last song on the first side in a way this is also kind of odd and it feels not drumming. It's very more Barlow is drumming here. It's a bit of a riff to start again. It's a little bit of that start stop, but it wasn't quite as as bad as the first one. Very off kilter beat on this one. Yeah, it sounds. It almost sounds uh, like you're trying to be like Moroccan or Middle East or something. The one thing though on this one is that I do miss the difference. I mean, yes, we've got a different person playing drums, but it's not the same difference as the last record. Like when Cozy Powell was on the tracks, you could tell That's it was way different. Yeah. This kind of sounds the same. It's not bad. It's just, it's, it's not that much of a change.
I'm with you there. It's not as big of a departure from Phil. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of odd stuff going on here. Like there, there's some killer bass. Mm-hmm. And there, there's some backing vocals. There's some guitar picking. It, it's kind of a mishmash. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I put on here Indian or Moroccan guitar sounds. And then there's big synths too. So I'm mm-hmm. like, what <laughs> is this song trying to be? <laughs> and then what's the thing at the end? Is that like... It sounds like, I mean, I'm sure it was played on the synth, but it sounds like a, it's supposed to sound like a squeeze box or something. There, it's almost like you get you go into a sea shanty at the end. Yeah, it, it was more <laughs> interesting at the end to me. And then Robert was also using the power in his voice a little bit more mm-hmm. than he had on the previous few tracks on this record. But it's, it's odd. I mean, if you thought messing with the Meekin was odd, eventually, once it got into the groove, it wasn't bad. You know, it, it was, it was different, but it, this one though, and it's reckless love. So is it a love song? Well, no, I wouldn't call it that. Yeah, it, it, it's just kind of a weird one, and it's it's kind of a strange way to end the first side. But there you have it. They, <laughs> they liked it, I guess, and and there you go. I don't know. I don't know what else to say about that one except yeah, it's. it's I, I think I think this one kind of grows on me a little more the more I listen to it more than than messing with the Meekin. But yeah. it is yeah, it is strange. But again, he can do whatever he wants on this on this record. So let's let's just see what happens. Let's just see what happens. Hey, this is Tom and Zeus from Shout It Out Loudcast. And you are listening to the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, Rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. First song on the second side is Through with the Two-Step. Mm-hmm. So there's some wind effects and then synths. I'm like, okay, now this is this is very 1983. All of a sudden, it's a <laughs> mellow song. And to me, it's it's pretty close to a standalone B-side. Now, it was a B-side uh, on the Japanese release of, of Other Arms. It's not exactly a ballad, but it sounds so much like these first two or three Robert Plant albums to me. Yeah, the, the, the synth part at the beginning really kind of, it makes me laugh because I know it was in vogue at that point in time. And, you know, it's, it, I think synths were a lot more accessible. You could do a lot more with them. But, I mean, it sounds like a, it sounds like a commercial for the Quasar 2500 TV, <laughs> the way it was supposed to, or something like that. I'm like, oh, God. But it, I think the guitar work in it is nice. I mean, it's kind of slower, but it, it kind of has some power to it. To me, the keyboards in this one, kind of in the middle almost sound like the in through the outdoor era okay like they, like there's a it doesn't sound like it but it sounds like it could have been written at that time where the rhythm is long through with the two-step where the rhythm is long Open up the door 
Interesting. All right. Well, that's that's a take I did not have. I'm with you on there. My notes are Bunt's guitar work is good and it fits the song well. Mm-hmm. I thought that he did a good job on that. The big synth at the end with Robert pleading, baby, please don't go. I'm like, this is so 1983. Like, you <laughs> heard this song. You might be able to pinpoint the month that they yeah. recorded this. You know, it's <laughs> like, this is so of the time. Now, that doesn't mean it's necessarily bad. But I think for us, because we grew up in that time and that's when MTV was exploding and that's how we were getting our music and that's how we were forming our musical palette and what we liked. We hear something like that. It's like, okay, that sounds 83, but I like it because it takes me back to a cool time in my life. Whereas if you were 30 years old and you didn't live through that and you hear this now, you're like, oh God, that sounds like (laughs) 1983. (laughs) So you can't be nostalgic about it the way that we would. Right. Right. It doesn't mean yeah. you couldn't appreciate it, but it's probably not the same for people who didn't live through that time. Yeah, it, there definitely is a. It, it, there's notes of other nostalgia in there with that sound because it was just so everything used that at that point in time. And I think probably because you know I was I was saying making fun of it being a TV commercial, but I think it was cheap. That was the deal. It's like if you bought a synth, mm-hmm. the Casio three thousand or whatever, you could do a lot with it. For a, you didn't have to have a whole bunch of of musicians in the studio if you wanted a bed for a you know some kind of commercial or a voiceover or something like that. So yeah, everything used it at that point in time. So it does bring me back to watching Saturday morning cartoons or whatever in nineteen. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean you don't need an organ, you don't need a right. piano, you don't need right. a horn section, you don't need a second guitar player, you don't need a bass. I mean you can do all that stuff with this. Correct, thing, you know so. Yeah, you don't need a drummer. I mean, you can program all that stuff. So, yeah, I, I get it. But, I mean, you have to embrace the new technology. And so I, again, I give them credit for, I'm not going to just make a blues album like I did in the late 60s, early 70s. Uh, you know, I, I'm just going to I'm gonna push forward a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be punk. It's not going to necessarily be new wave. But it's going to take a mix of everything I've done and everything that's around me to make something new and different. So. And- and maybe that was part of it too. What what is what is the hot sound right now? Well, it sounds like this. Okay, put it on the record then. I don't want I don't want this to be mistaken for anything that's older. Exactly, exactly. You know. So then, side two, song two, uh, horizontal departure, which is also a B side. Uh, I, I like this one. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think I think Robert's voice is crystal clear this one yeah and and this was this was a uh it's it's to me but it, i've got a note on here that originally and i went back and i'm going to change my mind on this but originally it sounded a lot like that like pledge pin at mm-hmm. the beginning from the last record it's it reminds me of that it doesn't really sound like it this is not phil again on the drums barrymore barlow barrymore. wait a minute this is phil is it yeah, Barrymore's on the on the next one. Oh, is he okay then i've got the notes mixed up here then but it does yeah this this is more this is one where I thought this could could have been a single also. Maybe so because I mean again it starts differently than kind of what most of the song is and, and so mm-hmm. that's a, a trend we're kind of picking up on this record and the build up to the solo was good 
The solo isn't overpowering from Robbie. Again, he's just trying to fit the song. He's not overplaying. And that's probably why he did some work for, for Tom Petty, because mm-hmm. that's Mike Campbell's thing. Mike Campbell is not flashy. He just right. kind of does what is needed to make the song as good as possible. It's probably why Campbell doesn't get the credit that he deserves. But that's probably why Robbie kind of fit in doing some work with Tom Petty. At the end of the day, I feel like this band is, is very good together. And although they sound very of the time, it just sounds like they gel together very well. And is horizontal departure about dying? Is it about you're leaving to go have sex with somebody else because that you're always horizontal when you're doing that stuff? (laughs) I'm not exactly sure what the lyrics were about, but I know that his delivery is crystal clear. So yeah, this is one that I think gets overlooked probably and is... It's pretty. It's pretty good. It's it's an interesting one on the album. Well, so and I was I was thinking about this too. So you've got horizontal departure and then uh, stranger here than over there. But the big one is at the end of the record. So at this yep. point in time, or is it kind of like? I mean, do you have people like? Okay, I just want to get to the big hit. I just want to get to the big hit. Let's skip over this one. But you're right. This I think this is one too that would grow on you the more that you listen to it. And then again, yeah, what what are we talking about? You know, that's why I had to leave you alone. And then, you know, so you turned around and found another fool. Is it about, you know, relationships ending? I don't know. Seems that way. It's like, okay, go screw him. And, you know, <laughs> get out from under me. Get up under him if that's what right. you want. I'll get another one. Looks just like it. You know, don't worry about it. <laughs> Well, but he was, I mean, he was breaking up with with Maureen at this point, was he not? Mm, okay. I, I, think, r- I think so, yeah. I, I think so. And they probably had been broken up for a while. It's just, it was kind of becoming official. And of course, they went through quite a bit uh, in the 70s with the death of Eric and mm-hmm. lot, you know. So who knows? But, well, and you're right. I mean, they saved the big hit for the end. So they're like, okay, we'll put it at the end and then make you listen to all these yeah. others <laughs> before you get to, because you start off with the kind of, harder rocker you go straight into the mellow hit and then there's a couple more on that side and then you have three songs on side two before you get to the one song that everybody i mean if you only bought it for one song big log is the one you bought Mm -hmm. it for and i was trying to think too i don't i don't remember a record that we've done recently that had even a hit much less the big hit as the last track you know we've talked about that before the last track is usually some kind of like dump off where you needed a you needed another one to fill out the time right but not or, this one yeah or it's like the, the eighth and ninth of the worst songs and then the tenth track is okay we're going to give you something pretty good to remember us by yeah but it'd be like the seventh or eighth best song it won't be <laughs> like you know the best song <laughs> on total four i believe africa was the last which okay. is another one that i was very into around this time with a huge video and was a huge hit and all that. But I also think Rosanna was the first song, which made it easy for a guy with a cassette player to play Rosanna, flip it over, (laughs) play Africa, flip it over, play Rosanna, flip it over, you know. (laughs) Did that quite a bit back in the day on the old Walkman. All right, and then the seventh song, Stranger Here Than Over There with with Barrymore Barlow on the drums again. This is a weird one, if you ask me, and it's, it's, it's kind of experimental. I mean, I wouldn't call this a rock song. So I have I, the notes that I have are the bass starts it off. That's nice. The bridge, the bridge is good. Leave me, baby. Help me get my feet back on the ground. But then the end of it, it kind of turns into a mess. Like there's just mm-hmm. a whole bunch of sounds they just kind of throw together. Like it doesn't sound super cohesive. I, I agree with that. Yeah. And, and the four of them, Robbie, Robert, 
Martinez and Woodruff, they wrote this together as they did the previous horizontal departure. To me, I'm with you there. It, it, it's it's like let's just see what we can do. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think Robert's voice is good, mm-hmm. but the rest of it is odd, and I I can't imagine that they played this one a whole lot. It's just very strange. This one to me. Yeah, and I've got, sometimes they would play this as a second encore. Like, so that's the last song that they would play. That's weird to me. That's very right. strange. You're on your way out to the parking lot anyway. Right, you know, and look, they only had 16 or 17 songs, and they play 15, so mm-hmm. they're, they're going to play a lot of them, right? They're going to play most all of them. And if your encore was Big Log and Burning Down One Side, you get anything after that, it's just a bonus. Right. That's the way I look at it. But anywho, yeah, it, when they played the Spectrum a week before they played Houston, which is what the live stuff was taken from, yeah, it goes in the mood, pledge pin, messing with the meeting, worse in Detroit, moonlight and samosa, fat lip, through the two step, other arms, horizontal departure, reckless love, slow dancer, like I've never been gone. Break, they come back at the encore, big log burned down one side. You figure, okay, that's it. And then you get Stranger here dot, 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 then over there. That is the official title of the song, Stranger Here, <laughs> dot, 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 then over there. And maybe that's part of, yeah, it's a strange song, so that's why they named it that, right? It's mm. it's Stranger over where the boys are doing all their funky stuff, and it is over here where Robert's using his amazing voice. I don't know. It's weird. I can't imagine listening to this on its own. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine, too, if, he was, if, like you said, it was the second encore. Like This, okay, I guess we're doing this now, but I don't. I would be interested to see sitting there in 1983, and they start into it. If you took a poll of the people, would you even know what this was? Right. Oh yeah, this was the second to last song. I remember this. Not really, because I've already skipped over it. But it was harder to skip back then. You had to take the needle and pick it up and push it to the thing. And the technology of you can fast forward the tape and it'll come to the break. I don't know if that even existed quite yet. Yeah, and that was a big. That was a pretty big feature too to pay for. Yeah. When it did come out. Yeah, I, I remember, I think, my first take back of my car might have had that. But that, I didn't get that till like, 1990. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that it, it took a lot. That was, that was a little ways off. Anyway, you get past that, you get to song number eight, four on the second side, big log. I love this one. <laughs> I love this song. This is the reason we're basically reviewing this album is because of this song right here. Do you remember the video when we were kids? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and this is why this is one of those ones, kind of like New Year's Day from U two, where it's like 
is the song making me think about being alone and driving in the desert? It, like the, the 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 song and the video are so intertwined mm-hmm. in my head that that's all I can think about. And I remember watching that thing. I'm like, oh, that's the coolest thing ever. You're just like cruising out in the desert and you know, there's cool stuff that you see and he goes to the gas station and then he's in the, uh, in the church for a while and then he's in a bar and yeah. I don't know. I just always had an attraction to the Southwest desert in the United States. Yeah. And it's, it, it could have been from this video. I don't even know. Yeah. Maybe that's what put it in there way back in the day. Who knows? And the video has like an extra minute of, of video. Like the video is more than six minutes long. The song's only about five minutes. And I'm, I'm fairly certain there may have even been a, an edit to make it a little shorter single version. Yeah. You're right. He's kind of in no man's land there. Like you find between California on your way to Vegas, something mm-hmm. like that. Nothing out there. His car is overheating. He comes to a to a desert gas station. And and the song doesn't even start playing until he's out of the car. So like the 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 drive in, I think like it's like wind blowing or something. Mm-hmm. He pulls in, he gets out, he kind of walks around, and then the song starts. Right. Yeah. Exactly. He pulls up the the hood. Yeah. There's there's smoke and steam coming all out of it. He's like, uh, and then and then which is yeah. iconic, iconic song. Mm-hmm. And there's nobody there. There's no one there to help him. There's maybe a stray dog around, but it was interesting. He goes to a refrigerator outside. He goes out and pulls out a cup or something. He gets tricked and I'm like, oh, there's no one there, but there's a fully stocked fridge. That makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> and then, so then they're, they're show a place that looks like maybe a motel or something like that, although it's fancier than just a motel. At least the, the architecture is. It shows a girl kind of being pushed around by an old dude. Like, here's a pretty girl dressed, kind of being pushed around. And then... Robert is in this little room in there and he's ripping up a photo. We didn't really see who the photo was. We assume it was probably a woman. Again, maybe this is part of his breakup with Maureen. I don't know, but there's some woman being pushed into another room and then we don't really see her. Then yeah, then he's in a bar where there's an old fat dude having a beer. There's a woman behind the counter, you know, like a bartendress. And then he's got that thing with string, you know, that he's putting between his fingers, like, okay, put your hand in there, right? Yeah. You know, it's one of those things you used to do as a kid. It's like, okay, why is he doing that? You know, that doesn't <laughs> make any sense. And then he's in a hotel where he's swimming in a very European swimsuit. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And then there's someone kind of knocking on the glass, like, you know, like there's someone underground who can see him swimming there knocking on the glass. And then it turns out he just passed out in his car. And there's someone knocking on his window like, hey, you know, I'm the tow truck. It's not yeah. go kind of thing. And, but it's kind of cool because that whole lot, I'm in, uh, I love his league with the freeway and the coming of nighttime, that line happens and it is sunset in the desert and he's being pulled off mm-hmm. by the tow truck. But then very much the video, the song's fading out. The tow truck takes Robert and his car off and then past them, here comes, you know, a woman like a big Cadillac. And now she's overheating, like going the other direction, coming in, pulling into the same spot. And now she's got to sit there and wait. That's her story now. Right. And so, and then, so it was always like, what, what's going on there? Was he, was he looking for her? Was he waiting for her? Did they just pass? Did Mm -hmm. she have anything to do with this? Or is this a totally different thing? Who knows? It's a video from the eighties. Take with it what you will. I know, but it imprinted on me. And then yeah. see him like in the church or the old schoolhouse, whatever that thing was, where he's almost singing to himself, right? He's at the front of the class and he's singing, but then he's in the back of the class giving himself a stern look as to what he's <laughs> singing about. But again, big log. What's the big log? What What is a big log? What, what part of this song is about a log? or And why is it a big one and not just a regular size one? I, 
I don't know where this title comes from. It's a fantastic song with a very odd title. Yeah. And and you were talking about Robbie Blunt playing along with the song. He this he's perfect in this one. You know, just oh, yeah. giving you exactly what you need in that the riff and the bridge part so of it. Well, it's just yeah. yeah, it's just it's fantastic. He's not not flashy. Not anything where you would, it's almost like he kind of fades into the rest of the song. But then if you really listen to what he's playing, it's pretty good. No, it is. It's it's fantastic. Yeah. He does an amazing job here. It's iconic. Mm-hmm. And to me, my, I have a note here, this might be the best use of Robert's vocal range on all of his solo. Okay. To okay. Because yes, he has a rich croon to it, but yeah. he, still, he still gets a little, ah, yeah, he still he gets up, a high goes up high. The, the other nice thing, too, is it, it's got a drum beat to it. The 808 is used on this one, right. but it's not it's not egregious. Like, it's just kind of in the back holding the place. Like, it doesn't sound super cheesy, which sometimes electronic drum beats, they, they get over that. Well, they get overused mm-hmm. and it, they kind of sound cheesy because it's, it's just a loop. It's just, It's the same thing over and over again. But this one's pushed back enough where it fits in nicely. But it sounds more like claps than it does a drum throughout most of it. You know, there, there is a little bit of drumming through it, which is synthetic, but it sounds, it sounds like people clapping their hands. You know? So that's good for them. I mean, I think if you're going to use synthetic drums, don't necessarily make it sound exactly like a synth. You know, make it sound like something else. Yeah. It went to number 11 in the UK. So I, I feel like this is about, certainly at the time, this was the biggest single he had in the UK. It went to 20 on the Hot 100 billboard and with the six on billboard top tracks i don't really know what the difference between top tracks and hot 100 is yeah I it seems like there's an excuse there's to get so, more things in there right? right there are so many more charts that i even ever knew that existed that's why in the uk it's simple it's like we have this one chart here it is you're either on it or you're not <laughs> <laughs> but it was back with far post in the u.s which was not included on the first album. It was like a B-side or an extra track. And then uh, Messing with the Mickey in the UK. So huge one. And in fact, when I was in the UK for the first time, which I believe was the summer of 1994, mm-hmm. I bought a double disc, like top UK hits of the 80s that had all sorts of stuff. It had rock, it had pop, it had synth, it had techno, you know, and, and from a lot of different bands, it had this on. And it oh. was w- one of the reasons I bought it because I was over there. I wanted to buy stuff that you couldn't get in America. And like, okay, well, you can't buy top British hits in America. And, and some songs I didn't know, obviously, because some songs are hits over there that aren't hits over here. Right. But I'm like, no, this is one that I have to have. And I didn't own any Robert Plant. I didn't really even think about it. I mean, even like now in Zen, as big as that one was, I think I thought about it, or even Manic Nirvana, both of those, which came out pretty close to each other. Like, yeah, it's got samples from Led Zeppelin. I don't think that. I, I was very against sampling. Especially for rock acts. It's fine if you're a rapper and you can't make your own music, so you have to sample it. But I'm like, you're a musician, man. Just just make new stuff. I I, I was not a huge fan of it. Yeah, I was on the fence when when Now and Zen came out, when it, when he went back and, and used, I think it was two or three songs mm-hmm. from the Zeppelin catalog in um in Tall Cool One. But yeah, yeah, mm, yeah. This is this is definitely one hundred percent his own thing. And it's so much better. And there's great backing vocals on this one. I think John David was doing a lot of, along with Robert, was doing backing vocals, and he worked a lot with Dave Edmonds back in the day. And it really comes through on this one. Was directed by Stolen Thorgerson in on location in like Palm Springs and out in the desert. 
between LA and Vegas and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. And, and the fact that there's no drummer, but it's a really good song. I think it's killer. It's, it's, I think it's the best solo song he ever did. I think it's the best use of his voice on all of his stuff. And, and it's killer to me. I'll, I'll never yeah. forget this one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's, I think it also kind of cemented too back in the, in the MTV days where it didn't have to be, you could have a whole bunch of stuff on there. It didn't have to be one thing. It didn't yeah. have to just be whoever was the hottest band on the pop charts. You could have stuff like this and have little mini movies and just kind of broaden the horizon a little bit. And I and I do remember it was kind of a big deal because I'm trying to remember what came off of Pictures at 11, like burning down one side. But for whatever reason, this everybody was really excited about this, like the older yeah. people that I knew when it was coming out. Yeah. And he... He obviously looks a little bit older. I mean, he doesn't look fresh-faced like the guys in Duran Duran or even like the police, you know, at that point. He does look older, but he's still a good-looking rock star. So, like, let's play that up and let's make videos about this guy, you know. And even if he doesn't have contact with the woman, let's put the women in these two videos, right? You know, so to give some kind of sexual chemistry there. So, yeah, it kind of works, you know, definitely now. They put some live stuff from Houston on there, including they did a live In the Mood, but they did a lively up yourself, a Bob Marley mm. song, which I guess he didn't do every night of the tour because I'm not seeing it on setlist.fm. Uh, so it, it's cool that they threw that in there. But there was kind of a non-album track called Turnaround that Phil Collins did play on. Uh, and did you get, did you listen to this one? Did you hear this yeah, one? I, yep. I listened to it a couple of times. The, the slide is nice. Yeah. On this one, I yeah, I don't know why they didn't include this. I mean, it was a it's a fully formed song. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, that was a nice uh treat on the reissue. Yeah, you know, yeah, the guitar riffs were great. And you're like, but the slide was cool on there. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe they decided, all right, there's no other slide anywhere on the album, so we're not going to use the one with the slide. But it sounds good, and I'm surprised it's not on there because it fits in with the rest, and it's mm-hmm. better than some of the experimental stuff. I mean, as a song, I understand if maybe you're an artist and you want to say something like Stranger Here Than Over There or a... Uh, Beacon. Yeah, Meekin, you know, okay, well, these are these are things that we've really enjoyed putting together and it's different and it's kind of helping define our sound. Like, okay, well, you can put on whatever you want, but I, it's just strange that they would leave this one off there because to me, that's a pretty darn good song and great playing for rock. Yeah, and, and I don't know why they make the decisions they do, but it is nice when you hear that song that you actually like it and it's not just like, ooh, I know why they didn't put this on the record. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's the principle of moments, you know, that went platinum in the U.S., strong from Big Log and, and in the mood, you know. Then they toured the U.S. In, in late fall, and then I guess they went and toured Europe in, in even later, 83. Mm-hmm. But maybe they took a bit of a break, and they worked on recording Shaken and Stirred, next, which would not come out till 1985, and it kind of had the big hit Little by Little on it, which, again, that's one that I love. I think that's a fantastic Robert Plant solo song. But then that was kind of the end, I feel like, of this band, right? Like, this band, they, they stayed together for the first three albums. They did some tours together. 
And I don't know if they thought they took it as far as they could take it. Or Robert said, okay, great. We did what I wanted to do. Created a sound. Kept the band together. It wasn't Led Zeppelin. But yeah, now I'm done. And I can go work with whomever. I don't know. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what happened on that. Because you were talking about Now and Zen. That didn't come out until 88. Right. So he was kind of, you know, he had 83, 84, 85. Or 82, 83. 85 and then you waited until 88 so i don't know whether he thought maybe he was going to take a little break and then do something different but yeah i think these first three albums that he did are probably the most cohesive yeah yeah and that would i think be from having a consistent band you know and right. he has had a bunch of hot shots in on now and zen and jimmy did a couple of songs on now and zen and you know maybe the record company got to him it's like look you don't need a band you just be robert plant we can right. do whomever behind yeah. you, you know in the era of Phil Collins being a solo act and Tina Turner and Steve Winwood is back, you know, he, and he doesn't need traffic. He doesn't need Spencer Davis. He's just right. himself. Like, you don't need these people. You can just be Robert Plant. Maybe the record, well, he was on Esperanza, which is basically, I feel like, a glamour thing, part of uh, Atlantic. You know what I mean? Was that, that was his own thing, wasn't I it? I think so, yeah. Because I, I don't remember anybody, I don't remember anybody ever seeing anybody else on that record label. Right, you know, and I'm sure Ahmed Erdogan was not going to let him go someplace else. Right. Uh, you know, and, and he continued to have hits, but now and then had some big hits, and Manic mm -hmm. Nirvana had some big hits, you know, and the albums maybe didn't sell through the charts, I mean, I think they at least went gold, but this one went platinum, you know, and it was because of the big single and a little bit of MTV, you know, Magic Fairy Dust pushing it out there. But it did open him up to a new a new audience, right? Like you and me, who had no idea who Led Zeppelin were. Right. Of course, we, we would eventually, and then we come back and have a greater appreciation for this, like, oh, this is Robert without Led Zeppelin. And it's different. And it's very, very good. I think so. I th and I think I think he accomplished what he wanted to on this record, saying, I can make, I can make a record with hits. I can sing the way that I want to and not have anybody say, oh, this is just Led Zeppelin light. Well, it probably did, but I don't I don't subscribe to that. I think this is its own thing. I agree. And I, I think that's the way Robert wanted it. And he established a solo legacy, started mm -hmm. a very successful solo career that's been going on for more than 40 years now. And you want to call his collaboration with Alison Krauss, that's not really a solo career anymore. Okay, fine. You know, yes, he's collaborating with someone else, but he doesn't do that all the time, right? I mean, he did that for Raising Sand, and he comes back and does it again later. He finds different people to work with mm -hmm. to find different sounds and things like that. And he's still doing it now. He does not have to do it for money. He does not need money. But he is on cool right now in the United States of America with Allison. It's it's what he does. I mean, do that's the that's the thing is if he doesn't do that, what's he going to do? Sit around and nah, I don't want to do that. I want to, I want to go, I want to play. I want to, I want to have different experiences with different musicians, different types of songs. So yeah, good for him. I'm, I'm, there is part of me that's sad that he didn't take the Zeppelin reunion. Cause that would have been really cool to see. Yeah. But I do have to hold him in high regard for saying, I don't want to do this. I don't, I don't need to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be a jukebox. Like you said, I'm doing something else. Yeah, exactly. You know, and he, I mean, as far as I can see, I'm looking at some set list stuff from he and Allison. They do a lot of covers and they do a lot of traditional songs mm -hmm. and things like that, which they do together, but he does do a reworked, Battle of Evermore, it looks like. And he does a reworked When the Levy Breaks on there, too. So that's cool. Mm -hmm. But it's not the whole show. And you're, you're talking about with Alison Krauss. Yeah, just last okay. week. Yeah. So I'm sure her voice 
lends very well to the high parts in that battle yeah. forevermore that, that would that would be I, i'd like to see that i'd have to i'll search that on the youtubes Ooh, and then on some nights ooh, interesting because they do mix it up a little bit looks like he did do in the mood on the 5th of may in kansas city huh along with rock and roll now i bet it's not like the original rock and roll. Probably I bet it's not. completely reworked. Yeah, rock and roll, but also Battle of Evermore, and also when the levee breaks, you get those four songs in there. Now I'm like, well, maybe <laughs> I just won't take the wife. Maybe I'll just get a three hundred dollars <laughs> ticket for myself. Because that's the thing nowadays, right? It's like if I just go by myself, it costs whatever the ticket costs. If I take my eight year old, then I have to, you know, take her to McDonald's or something beforehand, and then yeah, it's it's double the ticket price. But if I take my wife, okay, well, now we got to get a babysitter for like four or five hours, and that's expensive. I got to take her to a nice dinner, which is way nicer than what I would just buy myself. <laughs> I just get a Jimmy John sandwich or something for myself, <laughs> you know. Plus, I don't drink at the show. She's going to want to drink at the show. Show drinks are expensive. For something Rob, Robert Plant and Alice Krauss, she's probably going to want some souvenir, a shirt, the record, whatever. That's always expensive. Mm -hmm. Plus, I got to get two tickets. Suddenly, a night out's costing me a thousand bucks. It's like, well, I just go by myself. It cost <laughs> me a couple hundred. That's what we're going to do from now on. You know? Well, folks, that is our take on Robert Plant's Principal of Moments, released July 11th, 1983, celebrating its 40th right around the time of the release of this show here. And I gotta tell you, it was fun to go back and listen to it. You know, I'm a huge Led Zeppelin fan as a teenager, but as a young person, like eight, nine, ten year old, watching MTV, I didn't know who Robert Plant was as far as as far as his status goes as a rock god with the biggest hard rock band of all time and Led Zeppelin. I had no idea. But I did know the song Big Log, thanks to MTV and In the Mood, and thought, well, he's great. And then of course, as I got older and started to realize who Robert Plant was. I appreciated him more as a singer and a songwriter and was happy to be able to connect him to that time when I was younger to a song that I really loved in Big Log. And this is the foundation of his solo career, which has been very, very successful. I mean, over a dozen albums, 40 years touring, collaborating with all sorts of different people and not having to do the Led Zeppelin reunion. Look, I'll admit that if Led Zeppelin had done a reunion after Celebration Day, I probably would have plunked down way more money than I should have to see them many times, maybe even quit my job and follow them around, okay? But I didn't because Robert said, no, I don't want to do that. And I respect him for it. The time has passed, okay? Maybe in the 90s when Jimmy and Robert got together, that would have been the time to do the full-on Led Zeppelin reunion. But now it's too late as far as I'm concerned. They're just too old. It's not the same. And they don't need the money. I think Jimmy would still like to do it, but Robert doesn't want to do it, and that means it's not going to happen. And I admire him. I actually thank God for it, because he's saving me a lot of money, right? And it's not like he's not still making great music. Jimmy isn't doing as much. He's still kind of rehashing and remastering and doing all that Led Zeppelin stuff. But Robert, God bless him, he's continued to march forward. He's on tour with Allison Krauss now, and I got a feeling that his recording days are not over. So it was fun to go back and listen to Principle of Moments all the way through, as it's turning 40. Remember, it's good times growing up and getting to know better. This classic album, this is really one of the ones that really has kept Robert in business all these years. So as usual, folks, we want to know, do we get something right? Do we get something wrong? Do we miss the point? Do we leave out your favorite part? You have got to let us know. You email us. It's UglyAmericanWerewolf at gmail.com. Let us know the bands, the albums, the concerts, the DVDs, the books, the rock properties that you want us to talk about here on the show. 
we got to thank Pantheon Pods. Check out PantheonPodcast.com to learn about all the different shows on the network. And go to RareVinyl.com, guys. If you're a record collector, go to RareVinyl.com and use the code UGLY. It'll save you 10%, and they'll ship it to you anywhere around the world. Now, we've got some more fun stuff coming up on The Wolf here. We've got some fun guests coming up. We've got some fun shows that we're looking forward to reviewing and talking to you about, and some great killer albums celebrating big anniversaries in the next few months here that we can't wait to review and talk with you about on the show. By the way, we do have a Wolf shop where you can get your Wolf merch, t-shirts, mugs, stickers. You can find it on Twitter, at ugly underscore werewolf. You can find our shop. It's on my Shopify. Go check it out. And please download, subscribe wherever you get the show. And be sure, if you're thinking about it, guys, write us a positive review. Those five-star reviews on Apple, on Spotify, on Good Pods, wherever you listen, make a huge difference. It just helps us find more rock and rollers like you. So until next time, folks, wherever you are, all you rockers all around the world, be cool and stay safe. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.